Welcome, pudding people, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. Richard Geiger still joining us from the Mazda Studios. How are you, good sir? Living in luxury in my car here. (laughs) Chilling, laid back, got some toys in here for my kids i mean it's, it's a great atmosphere absolutely but at least it's warmer now you're you're not uh getting the frost uh, on the edge of the you know the beard and the mustache that's true it's not 40 35 degrees in the garage so that's good <laughs> always positive well i have to say that uh if nothing else this conversation is definitely going to keep you warm today we got a great episode we have a a guest podcaster someone who loves movies just as much as we do mr michael lacombe from uh one mic correct correct thank you fantastic Uh, i'm so glad i appreciate you guys having me here man i i really like the the who loves movies just as much as we do because you didn't know that i mean it's true uh it, it, i might love movies more than you guys but uh yeah yeah a little, uh, little bit about me as far as movies go um i've been watching movies since i've been old enough to remember it was kind of one of my things that i got into as a kid around five six years old my life was uh an amalgamation of like ninja turtles and asking my parents if i could watch the godfather like uh-huh. that that was <laughs> that, that was kind of what my life was like as a child uh but you know, I went to college for film uh, and, you know, I, I got away from it. You know, you, you, you tend to you become an adult and you, you, you know, I need to get this real job in the real world and, and do these things like, you know, build credit and have a family. And, and you, you get away from the things that you love a little bit. And uh, podcasting and doing YouTube videos has allowed me to get more in touch with that. And it's been really fun. One mic is uh, a YouTube slash podcast channel where that's really all I do. I, I, I review movies and television shows. And the, the idea behind it is that if you're, you know, you just wrapped up a show and you're like, oh, what's, what's the next thing that I should watch? My, my hope is that you will come to my channel or my podcast and see, oh, what did Mike say is the last, what, what's something that Mike recommends? And I, I'm, I'm watching everything. So uh, yeah, again, thanks for having me guys. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to have, uh, be here. Well, we are happy to have you here. Um, now you do a, a spoiler-free and a spoiler version on a lot of these, right? Yeah. So um, if it's something that I'm covering week by week, I'll do it in a spoiler version because I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm talking about an individual episode, it's kind of hard to to not give up spoilers a little bit. But if it's something that I'm reviewing uh, that aired in the past, like if it's saying, like, oh, here's a, here's what I thought about season one of blank then uh, it, I'll keep it spoiler-free. And if it's a movie, I usually keep that spoiler-free as well. Yeah, when, whenever we review things, we tend to uh, consider one key thing, and that is nothing. We just kind of jump into it, and if there's spoilers, there's spoilers. Not, nothing nothing going to be about it. But uh. <laughs> Hey, hey, I can dig it, man. If people, people are watching or listening, they know what they're in for. Yeah, they, they know us by now, hopefully. I would hope so, anyway. Yeah. So... We uh, decided to try and do something a little different. Uh, now, uh, Richard and I, over the years, have um, had a, a nice uh, Venn diagram uh, overlapping of taste. But there are certain areas where we kind of diverge just a little bit. And it's always nice to get kind of a third opinion in on some of these where we're, we're just in, in slightly different places. Now, uh, growing up, I was a massive Eddie Murphy fan. So pretty much he had a, a series of movies where... What he did, he just, everything he touched, it was gold. 
every single time. And uh, one of those films was Coming to America, and I, which I just I thought was fantastic at the time. And so when I heard that the sequel to Coming to America, uh, uh, confusingly titled Coming to America also, uh, was going to be out, I was both mortified and excited at the same time. And I think Richard had a slightly different reaction than I did. Yeah, it was, uh, eh, who cares? <laughs> now, okay, now, that, that comes with a little bit of uh, perspective, too. I really like Eddie Murphy. I think Eddie Murphy is great. But when it comes to coming to America, that wasn't one of my movies that I watched a lot or remembered all the lines from. You know, the, the best memory of lines from this comes from, you know, a ludicrous album, right? So uh, I, I couldn't really tell you any of the details. Like, if you asked me a week ago, many of the details about the original movie, I'd be like, uh, Eddie Murphy's in it? Arsenio Hall's in it? That's about as far as it went. But um, if, if we weren't, if we weren't, let's put it this way. If we weren't going to review this movie, I probably would have never watched it. So that's where we're coming from going into this. Yes. Now, what about you, Mike? Uh, is I, it okay to call you Mike or is Michael better? Oh, Mike's fine. Fantastic. Uh, I, 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 for a second, before, before we just started talking, I thought your Venn diagram overlap was going to be you being mortified and him not caring. I figured like the reason for that was going to, was going to be where you guys overlapped. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to go with, uh, I didn't, I don't really care about that movie, <laughs> but, um, no, I, 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 I kind of fall, I think a little bit in between you guys. Um, I was a big fan of coming to America and a big fan of Eddie Murphy's early work. And then I also had no interest in this movie. <laughs> I, and I probably wouldn't have watched it either. It was one of those things. It would have been one of those, um, you know, I'm just watching it out of curiosity. Like how bad did they screw this up was kind of <laughs> would, be, would be the, the, my logic behind watching it. Um, when I found out they were making it, I was, I was like viscerally angry. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm just like, why? Why are we doing this? Like, could it be a more obvious cash grab? Like, he's not. Uh, Eddie has not done a lot of a lot of work over the course of the past, uh, I don't know, ten, fifteen years, maybe ever since like the Shrek series. Hmm. He hasn't really done too much. Uh, he had that that you know really good SNL uh, hosting. Mm -hmm. that, I think that was what was that probably like 2019, 2020, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I had no hope. For this movie uh it just felt like it was just an, it was going to be another one of those situations where it's like hey let's make money off of the name let's make money off of the actors and maybe we'll make a decent movie but that's not really that important <laughs> people will, people will pay to see it and that's all that matters so yeah I, I i i didn't really care to see it but yeah it's in it because it's 30 years past the point where the original film came out it's it's not one of those things that it's recent enough that it has that that audience draw. You you're basically hoping that the people that were originally interested in the original film uh, will come over and maybe try and drag some people with them uh, to to get that to get that audience going. But you know, I, I I have that that part of my brain that wants to say, yeah, this is this is clearly a cash grab. But I also have the part of my mind. It's like I've seen enough directors and actors do these projects where they're revisiting this world that they created uh, well after the fact. And there's no denying that there's also a certain amount of comfort that comes from that. 
that that this is this was something that was majorly important to a number of different people and you get to visit that feeling again and i have to wonder if it's not just for the audience but also for the people that made it because it's it's this was something that was special and i want to be there again i mean like i'm a big kevin smith fan and when jay and silent bob reboot came out i kind of got that same feeling it's like man it's been a long time since the original films but you know i understand that it, it holds that spot in your mind where you just have that 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 special feeling when something like that comes out. Yeah, um, I, 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 how much of the people, how much of the same people who worked on the first one worked on this one though? I, I can't recall. I, I did look it up when I did my initial review of it, but um, aside from the actors, obviously. But like, as far as like the people who worked on the film, like, w was that there was not was as there too much, much intersection there? No, I, I didn't see as much intersection when I looked at the the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, the director was certainly different. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the other positions were different for a variety of different reasons. People that were just either no longer with us or uh, were otherwise um, committed to other projects. So I, I didn't see as much overlap on that. It was oh, mostly okay. just from the the consumer facing seeing the actor side of things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and when you say cash grab, like I get it because. Most of the other people who are in this probably needed the cash, but Eddie Murphy doesn't need the money. <laughs> he's worth like a hundred mil. <laughs> he's he's good on cash. I, I I don't. I wonder if it was who actually spearheaded the thought process. If someone came to Eddie Murphy and said, "Hey Eddie, we'll pay you X amount of dollars if you can pull everybody else in and do this movie," what do you think? Because I don't think it was an originally intended for an Amazon release, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but like no, I don't think so. They they had it; it wasn't going to go anywhere. Amazon purchased the rights to it, and then they went ahead and made it. So, it sounds like it was what happened to me. I, I think it was made. I think the intention was to make it for a theatrical release, and then when COVID hit, it became an Amazon thing. But I, I'm I'm not too sure about that either. But when I when I reviewed this movie, I I openly asked that same question because I was. And, and when we get into it, I, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more. But um, I was almost openly offended by Eddie Murphy doing this because I, I like the same point that you made. Like, why you, know, you don't need this money? Why are you doing this? So for him to do it, and for him to well, I'm going to start talking about the movie, but and I, I don't want I don't want to spoil. I don't want to give away my my thoughts on it. Hmm. But um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll say that I had I had the same thought. Like, what, what was the point in doing this? Because I know you don't need the money. Yeah. Well, hopefully there was there was there was more on the side of love and less on the side of greed. But we'll delve into the end product and see how it actually hit all of us uh, specifically. Now, before we get into this, I always like to remind everybody that it's very easy to find us all on social media. Now, of course, uh, Mr. Lacombe here is uh, one Mike on Twitter. Are you also on Instagram, Facebook, something like that? So I have a one Mike page on Facebook. Uh, I have a, uh, the Twitter page is at one Mike network. And then uh, there's the podcast feed and the YouTube page, which you can search in anywhere you get your podcast. You can search on YouTube, but no, no on the Instagram. Okay. So we're not going to see uh, a hot yoga class that you took or anything. It's just going to be. A, not on a one, not on my one Mike page, maybe on a <laughs> personal page. 
Fantastic. I got I got those uh, those butt lifting pants that that, that they sell on uh, Amazon. <laughs> Amazon, the, the yoga yeah. pants that the women like. Yeah, I got I got a pair of those, and that's that's what I do my yoga in. I like it. Now, of course, we are very easy to find. We are at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter. We are at Pudding Guys on Instagram and on Facebook. And of course, we are on Patreon, where for just one dollar per month, you can help support the Pudding Guys as we bring you new people that we talk to, new equipment that we talk into, and new subject matter that we can massacre with our opinions so let's jump into it now uh, we've talked just a little bit about our scientific yet not scientific method of uh, just completely stripping down each movie into its component parts and seeing what we think of the individual pieces as always you can have up to a hundred point score which will be comprised of subsections of the cast, which can be up to 20 points. Director, which can be up to 20 points. Location, 10 points. Costuming, 10 points. Cinematography, 20. And plot, 20. All adding up to 100. We even have a bonus section, just in case you want to get your score into a particular range and want to fudge the numbers to get it there. But uh, we, uh, we, we like to think of this as the, uh, the good grade report card for any given movie, and it kind of helps get you in the right range. All right. Well, let's start with the easy part. Uh, let's start with the cast. Um, the cast—they uh, got nearly everybody to come back, so the cast was pretty stacked, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I think the only person that I didn't see in this was um, uh, the boyfriend that uh, Eric Lasalle. Eric Lasalle. Yes, Eric Lasalle. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I think he was probably the only person that I can think of that I didn't see in this one from the first one. Well, Allison Dean was also pretty primary in the previous version. Uh, she was not in that. She uh, played uh, the sister, Lisa's sister, in the original uh, film. Um, and, of course, we, we missed a couple other individuals just because, again, no longer with us, uh, unfortunately. Um, so, I mean, really, they got pretty much everybody. And it was such a stacked uh, casting before, so... It, it already started strong and then to add in Wesley Snipes on top of it, who I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Wesley Snipes. Um, and that's awesome. Tracy Morgan is great in certain doses, uh, <laughs> depending upon what he's doing. <laughs> but, uh, I was concerned about seeing Leslie Jones in it. Uh, she's always been kind of iffy for me. Um, her SNL run. Uh, uh, her SNL run, sometimes she was really funny and sometimes she was flat, but that can be a number of factors on SNL. But uh, I thought she did great in this. I thought she was really solid, surprisingly solid in this film. And and the funny thing about not having someone like Eric LaSalle back is that I feel like after this movie, obviously a few of the people that were in it had success in other areas and yeah. Eric LaSalle was one of those people that had a lot of success. I'm just wondering if when it came to him doing this movie, his character wasn't needed Yeah, because he was, his character was pretty much done in, in the first movie. So it makes, it made sense that, for him not to be back, but all the other people that were there and the, the other thing that they brought back too, which is the, it's the same people. It's uh, Eddie Murphy doing the various characters that he did, Arsenio Hall doing the various characters that he had done as well. So they even brought back those characters, which I felt were, 
if not that we were talking about it earlier, the 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 band was probably the one of the highlights of the whole of the whole movie. All the the sexual chocolate at the the end was great seeing those guys come back, but the cast itself was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I thought a lot of the new people that they brought on were pretty good. I mm-hmm. didn't like Jermaine Fowler as the son. Uh, it, it just he just didn't really work for me. But um, I thought I was surprised again that I also thought Leslie Jones was pretty decent. I thought Wesley Snipes was probably Wesley Snipes was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. If I'm being honest, um, I thought Tiana Taylor was even decent. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, it was just just uh, Jermaine Fowler wasn't too great for me. And, I, and uh, unlike you, Ken, I'm sorry, I don't like Tracy Morgan in any dose. It could be <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter. I don't like it. So <laughs> two thumbs down on Tracy Morgan for me on that one. I was a big Thirty Rock fan, and I liked him in that show. And then I always want to like him in everything else. And it, I just haven't been able to do it for the most part. Yeah. What about the, the SNL skit where he just sits there and stares into the camera? <laughs> no. The, the, the Christmas the Christmas song one. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly which Chris, one you're talking Chris about. Chris Kattan. And, yeah. Yeah. That, I, again, wanted to laugh, just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's amusing for about a minute. So, I mean, I I know you didn't like uh, Jermaine Fowler as much. I thought he started a little weak in in it, but he grew on me as the as the movie went on. I thought I I wonder how much of it was him and how much of it was the writing of the character, because it's 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 an odd an odd plot in certain respects. But we'll get to that when we actually get to the plot. I thought I thought he actually had some pretty decent pretty decent charisma in some spots it's just some of the places that he had to be shoehorned into uh for some of the scenes um for example um the the part where they bring in uh, prince song uh where where it's the the courtship the the live courtship uh part it it just didn't work and i i i, I don't know how much of that was the the acting itself or the writing of that particular uh, piece, but you know, just kind of fell flat for me. Uh, similarly, the the bringing in of of the the younger actresses that played the daughters uh, for um, Eddie Murphy's Prince Akeem. Uh, let's see, uh, Kiki Lane, um, Sherry Sherry Shari Headley. Uh, I'm really good at massacring names. I apologize if I got that wrong. Excellent. I think it's Shari. Yeah. yeah. They. They didn't get enough time for me to really get a good feel of of where they were. I mean, they got they got a little bit, but there was so much going on with all the people that were brought back. It's almost like it's too much of a good thing. Nobody gets a chance to really get that that shining moment, except unless you're Eddie Murphy or uh, Arsenio Hall. Yeah, that's a good point. I if. If the, the few people that we talked about were the weak spots in the cast, then I think that that proves that the cast was, of all the components that we're going to talk about, the cast was by far the strongest of <laughs> of the components, yeah. and it has to be in a movie like this. You're not going to get you're not going to get a good story. You're not going to get special effects and other things. So if the cast isn't good. The movie is it's already going to be worse than what you already expect it to be. So yeah. it's a good thing that they did get a lot of good people. Well, let's start with our guest. If you were to give this a numeric value on a scale of one to twenty, uh, 
what would you give? Hmm. Before I answer that, can you give me an example of a film? Because I, I don't really know how you guys, uh, like what the scale looks like, right? So like, it, it, what would be like a 20 for a, for a cast? Like, is there is, is there something you guys have given a 20 for a cast for? Hasn't happened yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the the closest, close, I feel like. Yeah, we got to like 19 on like Avengers, uh, like the Infinity War. And... Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, I'd say... I was sit when you when you asked. I was sitting at probably somewhere around a fourteen or fifteen. So um, I'll say fifteen just to give a round uh, a rounder number, roundish. I like it. What about you, Richard? Honestly, like I said, I was surprised by some of the the cast that was in here, and in terms of their acting and the presentation, it, it is what it is out of this type of movie. So I I. I Honestly, I was surprisingly impressed by the people in the movie, so I was going to give it an 18. Very nice. And I, I was I was pretty happy. Like I said, it, it was almost an embarrassment of riches to some extent, and in one of those instances, it worked against it. So I'm kind of somewhere in between the two of you. I'm at a 16 on the cast for me. So pretty solid, all in all. Um, let's uh, move on to the director. Now, a lot of films uh, you hear about, oh, it's going to be a James Cameron film. I got to go see it. This is not one of those films, um, I don't think. Craig Brewer, being the the director of the film, a lot of people, it's just a name they don't know. Um, so it's not something that's going to necessarily build hype before. But, I mean, if you're not completely familiar with who he is, I mean, he did produce on um, on quite a bit of stuff, and he's directed on, on a number of things, on a bunch of Empire Television episodes. <clears throat> Pardon me, did 10 episodes of that directing. But if you've seen Hustle and Flow, Black Snake Moan, that's this guy. So um, he's the there is a slightly different directing style on this film from the original. Did you did you notice what those kind of differences were or did did it hit you as being basically trying to be this exact same style? Uh, I'm assuming that was for me. Yes. (laughs) yes. Sorry. New new person. Yeah. 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 no, I, I didn't pick up on any specific details and differences. Um, it felt aesthetically different, but it kind of just felt more modernized more so than anything for me. So um, I didn't pick up on anything specific. So I, I'm interested to hear what you're uh, what you're getting after. Well, one thing that I noticed, if you look at the original film, uh, a lot of the methods that they used were were fairly simple in the sense you got some tracking shots when they're going to be moving in in a certain area, you know, after the date when they're walking along and he's given the money to uh, back to the people from trading places uh, uh, or, you know, walking in the garden before he leaves for America. Hello, Babar, you know, that that bit. So pretty simple tracking shots, a lot of two shots, a lot of three shots, not a lot of group shots, not a lot of movement, very simple static camera angles. There's not, not it's that kind of film. You're not trying to get action, but, it felt like they were trying to go for a more majestic feel. They wanted to pull out more on this. And I'm not certain it did as much of a favor for the type of film that it was because it's more about the interactions between the people and less about the environment that you're in. Yeah, um, to, to that point, one of the things that struck me about it 
and and it's what it, it's one of those situations where when you have somebody else kind of kind of pointed out to you, you can kind of get to to why you felt the way that you felt. And like you mentioned, like the the original felt a lot more intimate, and this felt a lot more grandiose. And I I, I one of the things that uh, irritated me a bit about this film is that it felt like an amalgamation of a bunch of different things that he expected us to like, or or things that we already we being black folks, I'm being honest here, uh, that we already like. So like, I, I, you know, there was sometimes I'm like, am I watching Hamilton right now? Am I watching Black Panther? Like, what, like what, what am I watching right now? And there's a lot, there were a lot of moments like that where it kind of threw me for a loop because it didn't feel the same. And I think a lot of that ties into what you were saying about the, the intimacy versus the, the pulling back and, and the majestic nature of it. So yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an excellent point. So what did you think in the in the directorial style, Richard? Which did you, did you have anything that just stuck out to you as being anything worth notating, or was it kind of one of those things that were just blended into the background for you? Well, in, in an age where everything is CGI, green screen, and not really practical effects, you don't really need that type of stuff in this movie. So your idea is to focus on, once again, the strongest part of the movie, which should be the cast. And when you, I I guess I should touch on, I I feel like to watch this movie, and if having never seen the first one, or having not seen the first one for years and years and years, that this, besides the fact that this movie is, well, I mentioned this before, besides the fact that this movie is bad, it would come off as really bad. But when you watch, I, I watched the first one again, and then like two hours later, I watched this one. So I saw a lot of similarities. It's almost like they told him, hey, um, you're going to make it so that it's like the first one, right? Where you have all these certain scene layouts and you have these a certain presentation of things and you have a certain feeling, and we're going to tuck in a few comedy pieces here. And what I mean by that is there's no originality in this movie. Now, that could be intended, right? Where it's, we're taking the spirit of the first one, and we're putting it in a setting that's 30 years later. But I just kind of feel like there's nothing, there's nothing special about what was done to present this movie from a directorial standpoint. One other thing that I have to wonder, you know, when you get into a position as a director, whether you're a well-known director or not, and you're dealing with most films, you've got one, maybe two A-listers, people that have been around. They are going to be what the the film is centered on. Um, They're going to be the names that are going to draw people to the film. And then you try and build kind of around that, around the plot, you know, that sort of thing. But you're basically bringing everybody back. And even more than that, the two big names on that um, being Eddie Murphy and uh, Arsenio Hall. How much control do you think the director has? I, I have this feeling like it's it's like trying to get a bunch of kindergartners to to keep in class you know stay in your seat do what i'm asking you and they're going to do whatever they're going to do and you just have to try and control the chaos i wonder how much of that potentially happened on set i mean sure they're they're all professionals but um 
I, I just think back, I, I mentioned Kevin Smith earlier, a story that he told at one point when he originally met Bruce Willis and was going to film with him. And, you know, it's, it's Bruce Willis. You know, what I would do, how do I, how do I take uh, commentary that he makes about the film? And I, I, I want to take it seriously, but I'm still the director. That, that power dynamic is different. I wonder if that was potentially an issue in this film. Well, he, he's worked with Eddie Murphy before. Because he did the Dolomite movie. Right. So at least he has that, he, he's had that experience. And I'm wondering if what you said in terms of the control piece, where if Eddie Murphy was going to do this, if he picked the director hmm. because they had that previous working experience. Seems, seems possible. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, the only the only thing sometimes that we can see is an effect of what the director does because he's supposed to be what ties the film together, what, what controls things and pushes it to where it needs to be. So a lot of times you're not you're you're not seeing a, a, a very clear imprint unless it's a certain stylistic trait. I mean, if I see a group of doves fly up after a, a, a gunfight, eh, I know who that is. Uh, but in in something like this. Maybe it's what I don't see that that is more than anything. I don't see any sort of a, not just that there's not a stylistic flourish, but it feels like, well, it feels like a herd of cats in a lot of spots in the film. That everything is going in every direction. It's not being, not being ushered into the direction that the plot is meant to go. And maybe that's just it could just be my imagination, but that's kind of the impression that I got on the film. So I usually don't say much about the the, the director, but uh, let's let's. Uh, do you guys have any other comments about the director specifically? No, I don't, I don't have anything. I, 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 my, my, I, I'd be better for the for the uh, the rankings of each thing on some, anything other than a comedy. <laughs> like I, 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 when it comes to comedies, I really I really don't look for a lot of that kind of stuff. I really just look look at did I laugh or not, mm. and and that's pretty much it. But Fortunately, with this one specifically, I did have thoughts on other aspects of the film. But yeah, uh, no, I don't have any other any other comments on the director or well, directing. Well, then out of a pool of 20 points, how many points would you give the director? Are we starting with me again? Absolutely. We're, we're, oh, okay. our, our guest are we starting with a, me every time? That's right. You are of okay. primary importance in this episode. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. So, um, uh, man, uh, I feel like I'm such a harsh grader. <laughs> oh, man, it's... it's it's tough for me to uh to give, especially with twenty as an option, man. Like I mean, with twenty options, I should say, not twenty as an option. Like, oh, I really want to give a twenty. Yeah. No, um, I, I'd say I'd probably go. I, I didn't see anything here that seemed special to me in any sort of way. Uh, nothing that really jumped out to me as a positive. I didn't see anything that knocked me away. Like, 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 oh man, this guy's doing a shit job. There's nothing like that either. So I, I'm probably just gonna give it a ten. That works for me. How about you, Richard? Um, 10 is what I was thinking as well. 10. Well, I'm going to give him a little benefit of the doubt. I'm going to assume that he was trying to, like I said, trying to herd cats and, and did the best that he could. Um, and it, I, even though there were things that agitated me, there's nothing that really was like um, the nun bad directing. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give him a 15 out of 20. Just I'll, I'll be nice on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Richard disagrees. 
<laughs> yeah, well, Richard, but... Richard said that the cast was far and away the best part of the movie, and he gave that a, a what'd you give it an eighteen? Eighteen, and yep. then you gave it a, a sixteen. Right. So yeah, following that up with a fifteen. Yeah, Richard's not gonna agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go on to the locations now. Again, we're talking about the not the actual locations of recording in Georgia, and New York, and and whatever, but the locations that are presented as part of the plot of the film. Um, were they varied? Were they interesting? Were they presented in a cohesive way? Um, what struck? Let's start with Richard this time. What what struck you uh, about the locations uh, of the film? Well, I I read that they filmed a lot of this at did they say like like Rick Ross's house because it's so obscenely ridiculously huge that they could make it easily look like a palace. And that his backyard was like 300 acres, so they could film all those scenes in his backyard. So they they really didn't have to build much in terms of the scene. Now, if you if you remember the first one, where it pans it pans to uh, a picture of the palace, right? And it's obviously a picture it's like a painting of the picture and and there's there's just you can see some elephants walking around and stuff in front some people walking around it's like obviously not a real palace okay well that was in the 80s so then when we look at this one and we get the picture of what it looks like it's it it nothing stands out i don't know if it's supposed to or not supposed to but it's very very low key you know they have a lot of the a lot of the same same space right Mm -hmm. they're not it's not like they're in a lot of different places and they go to a couple different areas here and there the you know the african jungle is just you know like somewhere in southern united states jungle (laughs) and it's just i i don't know it's nothing too special but going going back to what mike said it's a I mean, this is a comedy. I mean, what, what type of scenery do you really need to have for this type of movie? But it, at least, at least, in, and this was, is more costuming and props in the first one, where it showed him getting out of bed and going to the bathroom. Like, this was like a ridiculous place that they lived in, right? They went to go eat, and the table was like a mile long, and it had all the different pieces on it. I, I don't feel like you got that same, you got that same feel for where they spent a lot of their time at for these locations where it was just kind of, it looked like someone's house and someone's backyard. It's kind of what I think. More, more like a McMansion. Yeah, exactly. What about you, Mike? Oh, see, uh, I, I feel a little bit differently than Richard on this one. I thought that the, the locations and is, is costume one of the categories we're going to talk about? Yes. Yes, indeed. Costume. Is okay. I, I thought the locations were actually good enough to make me notice them. Uh, it was like if, if you go back to the first one, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he's in a barbershop now. Okay, now he's in a shitty apartment. It's like, okay, you know, you know, you know standard stuff, right? Nothing that yeah. really jumps out to you. But watching this, even though I, again, I go in just looking like, okay, am I laughing or not? And full disclosure, I was high watching this movie. So the probability <laughs> of making me laugh was off the charts. <laughs> so like it, it had a really good chance. But that's all I'm, that's all I'm thinking of when I'm going into this is, is am I, am I going to laugh or not? And even with that mindset, I was still looking at some of these locations and going, not bad. 
bad. Yeah. So we so when he said like most of this filmed at Rick Ross's house, I was like, oh man, really? <laughs> like, I, I thought it was actually pretty nice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I thought the locations. I thought I thought it looked pretty pretty nice at times. I, I was uh, actually pretty impressed. For uh, it was something that I wasn't expecting. It was something I wasn't looking out for, and something that I normally don't even think about watching a comedy. Like so, so to to actually notice that and notice that it looked nice at times, and like a, I thought a lot of those sets were pretty nice looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the big things about the original film, and that they to a certain extent. Uh, obviously tried to replicate in the second is creating that dichotomy between people with money and people without. Uh, so they wanted to make sure that the the locations were drastically different. And like you were talking about in the original film, you'd see the rundown apartment, you would see the the low-end McDonald's ripoff, you would see the the barbershop, but then you would also have the palace and you know, the, you know, the nicer places that you could see, but you didn't see as much of the nicer places in the original film. You got it in the beginning as the, the, the precursor, but that was about it. And then it was just, you know, real life, New York. But in this, you got to see a lot more instances where you were given this reflection of wealth and, uh, and power. Um, so it's, it's, I thought I, I agreed with you. There were certain sections where I just looked at. It's like I really, I really liked the the foyer. Uh, was very nice. the The area that they uh, eventually had the party in was a little, maybe not quite as big as it needed to be to kind of give the same impression as before. It was it was a little crowded, but the outdoor shots. I thought there were some really nice outdoor shots that that were there, and, and it gave me just kind of a a nice refreshing change of pace in terms of the environment. And I know a lot of it's intending to play on other things that have come out in the last few years, like you're talking about trying to give that reflection of, of Black Panther and and some of the other films and. Uh, and whether that's a send up and an homage or whether that's a critique or whatever, it's, it's still kind of, it felt nice enough to kind of get you in the mindset to try and be ready for the plot that ultimately I think failed, but be ready for the plot to do the right thing and to set you up in that way. So I actually really liked a lot of the environments. I, I thought they, I thought they worked quite nicely. I mean, maybe the, uh, the wedding chapel could have been nicer, <laughs> uh, but, uh, it, the, it, I thought it was pretty good. Solid all around did what it needed to do. So we always, we never spend much time on the location unless it's super important. So we'll get our scores from Mike first on out of 10, a uh, score 10. How many do you give the locations in this film? Oh, out of 10. Okay. Yep. Um, I will go eight, eight for location. How about you, Ricardo? Five. Five? He really didn't like this film. Uh, <laughs> I'm hey, going to... Um, well, okay. <laughs> so I'll make one comment about, like, you're looking in this movie to to find whether you were laughing. Right? Like, that's it's a comedy. Were you laughing? I really... I can, I can say I was never laughing throughout this movie but there was quite a bit of times where I was smiling because I appreciated what they were at least trying to do Yeah. while still realizing at the same time that it, it's like, yeah, this is, this is bad. 
<laughs> well, I'm going to go with an eight on the location as well. I, I definitely, I liked what I saw. It's not the, the best I've ever seen, but it was solid all around. I thought they did good. Now, similarly, costuming and props. The, the, this is actually a big part of the Coming to America uh, original film and needed to play an important role in this film because it was, it was creating, it's important to create culture when you don't have time to describe the culture in exposition. So a lot of it has to show up in, in the clothing and in, in the mannerisms. So I, I always felt that this was really an important category for this film. Um, you were saying, Mike, that you thought the, the, the costuming was, uh, was pretty solid, right? Yeah, that, that, was, um, uh, that was one of the things that jumped out to me as a positive from this movie. I didn't like the movie either, but um, one of the things that did jump out to me was the costumes. I thought they, they really knocked it out of the park with that one. I was very impressed by some of the costumes that I saw in this one. Uh, and, and like you said, that's important. It's important for this movie. And they, they had some stuff where I, I, I really, I, I was looking at it like, man, this is, this is pretty good. Like if, if only they put this amount of effort into the things that matter, <laughs> the things that matter, uh, this would be great. But no, yeah. I, I really did like the costumes in this one. I was pretty impressed. And what about you, Richard? Did you uh, did you get the joy out of the costuming that that the both of us did? Yeah, you, you know, going back to the first one, and you and you show you showed some of the outfits that the people wore. Well, like James Earl Jones, for example, is walking around with a lion strapped around his his body, right? So, like things like that, you didn't quite see necessary things like that, but the the especially what the the women wore when they had like their the the dress for example like the wedding dress that was just gigantic the big right. the train behind it was like five miles long or when they were when they were supposed to be gotten they get together as in like they had a fancy a formal thing all of the dresses like all the women just looked really good in their outfits that they had yeah they did and the the men's the men's outfits weren't outlandish and over the top like the women's were and the women were supposed to but i i felt everything i felt like everything looked pretty solid you're right they did they did put effort they took the time they made everybody well they they made their most important things their people look as good as they could so yeah the costume costume props were pretty good yeah, the, 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 there were two things that I was looking for in this film that I really wanted uh, to see. I wanted to see continuity because stylistically it needed to be uh, very similar to the original film, just with some time applied to it to uh, see how fashions had adjusted over the years. But ultimately, the core, uh, the core of it needed to be basically the same, and it was really impressive in that uh, original film, whether it was this just the general clothing that that they were i mean i remember in the original film when they're walking through uh the airport with all the luggage just that coat that uh eddie murphy was wearing it's just man that that had style i mean that that was killer and i wanted that same kind of style to come through and i really think that they were able to achieve that um if you're going to have a big dance number which you know if you you're going to be like the original film you got to have that again it's got to be varied it's got to have um it's got it's got to have that same kind of draw that you're going to see where it, it's different enough. Everybody's got something different on, but it all coalesces into a single uh, thought, a single form as it presents the, what they're doing. I thought they did great on that. Um, 
But, uh, you know, again, we usually don't spend a lot of time on, uh, on the costuming. So we're just going to go straight to the ratings on this as well. Uh, I'll do mine first. Uh, costuming, I'll give an 8 out of 10, I think, on this. What about you, Mike? Uh, same, 8. Yeah. Richard? Uh, I was going to go with 9. I appreciated mm. him showing up in a Mets jacket again. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Consistency. Yep. Uh, all right. So now moving on to the last category that uh, won't probably have a lot to do with what we're looking at. Again, cinematography is, is usually uh, more of a bigger player in action films and science fiction things, but still plays a certain role uh, in this. Uh, what did you think about the way that the scenes were uh, inter interwoven together and the way that the camera was uh, used to capture what was there, Mike? Uh, similar to uh, the commentary on the directing style, uh, I didn't see anything that really jumped off to me. Like I, I, there wasn't anything that I was like, oh, wow, this is some really great work here or anything where I was like, wow, these guys really doing a shit job. Um, it, it, you know, it was one of those things, again, like I'm not checking for cinematography too much in, uh, in uh, coming to America. You know, I, I, I was, you know, cinematography, I'm, I'm checking off all the boxes. And uh, did you guys see The Lighthouse? I did not. Okay, yeah, so something like the lighthouse, I'm like that lighthouse is checking off all the all those kinds of boxes. But coming to America, I'm not really looking for that kind of stuff. So, um, but I didn't see anything that really uh, that really jumped off the jumped off the screen to me. Just kind of kind of straight where it needed to be. Then, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I didn't see anything special. What about you, Richard? Yeah, and and the, the thing I appreciate in in movies more and more and more is practical effects and less special effects, and you you saw that if you remember in the in the original when they're walking and then the little baby elephant goes right in front of eddie murphy yeah. and it, it's just kind of like an ad-lib thing where he just you know pets him real quick and then the elephant moves on and then as they show in this one they presented that same type of scene going back to your consistency of course they couldn't do that with an adult elephant so they did it with a cgi elephant um this goes back to nitpicking as well. Uh, that those some of those things, or like when the lion was sleeping and then they made it fart and <laughs> dumb, whatever. But like that that that's part of the cinematography because it's yeah. it's the CGI that's in there. And I'm nitpicking. What do you expect? Like, what was the budget on this movie? Like, there's the, the CGI stuff wasn't. This is a comedy. This isn't there for CGI. But those things were just like distracting to me because of how bad they were um but when it comes down to it if if this was a clint eastwood movie from a directing standpoint this is how the cinematography would be there's no moving shots it's just one thing and you show the thing and then there's some old white guy that would cuss in front of it and there'd be your your clint eastwood movie so it's the same type of thing right where it's just clean basic boring but that's all you needed it to be and yeah nothing and, and okay the jets like when when he's flying in his gold jet yeah also really like really bad <laughs> low-key low-budget cgi for today's for today's money that you can put into things so once again those are things that you shouldn't i'll go back to a big budget one so i mentioned this when we did our reviews on like infinity war thanos's face could have been better like his his movements and his talking could have been better, but 
it was enough to dis- to detract distract both from me. So in this movie, those few little scenes, you those scenes you shouldn't pay attention to them whatsoever. It should just be a thing. But for me, I was like, man, come on, this is bad. So kind of made it stick out like a sore thumb a little bit. Yep. Yep. So I I did notice that as well. Though I think there was one thing that kind of compensated for that. As bad as the CGI bits were, there was something that that I saw that I thought was actually really good that I often don't notice in other films. I thought that the lighting and the tone throughout the film was actually really, really good. Um, You know, thinking about like the scene uh, with James Earl Jones having his... uh, having his funeral as he's listening to it. The lighting for the stage and what was there was was particularly was particularly good. I thought you were able to pick up on details that you often wouldn't normally be able to pick up on. I thought that the the warmth where where it was needed, there was a lot more warmth in the color scheme. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the way that you're filming. Uh, it's not just the costuming that they're wearing. I thought... I thought that that played a much stronger role than you would normally see in a lot of films. And that, that I thought that was a really nice touch. So um, cinematography normally comes out of 20 points as well, even though it doesn't feel like there should be that many for this film. We're going to keep it in that 20 point scale um, out of 20. What would you give it, Mike? Out of 20. I'll go. 12 12 fantastic what about you richard i was thinking the same number 12 i'm apparently way too nice i gave it a 16 but (laughs) (laughs) that lighting i really like the lighting um hey that's fair so now we now we get into the meat where where a movie will live or die the writing of the film the plot um this is probably where where a lot of the complaining is going to be (laughs) So uh, we will defer to our guest to start off the uh, the fest of uh, picking the bones of the corpse and trying to figure out where it went wrong. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, man. Um, there wasn't a lot for me to like here. Uh, and again, as I as I noted a moment ago, uh, the 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 bar for pleasing me was very low at that time. So it should have been something they should have easily been able to hurdle. But um, I, you know, when I watch when I watch films, I try to if I can, uh, if I if I can't watch it twice, if I can watch it twice, what I'll do is I'll just watch it, and then if I'm going to review it, I'll try to watch it again and take take some notes. And that's kind of how I do with. Uh, movies or television, whatever that is, if I'm going to review it. Uh, with this one, again, I'm coming in like, hey, it's comedy. This is it going to make me laugh? I'm not going to be too, uh, I'm not going to be too uh, strict on, you know, watching it first without notes and then taking notes after. So I just watched it and I, you know, I jotted down notes as, you know, as I'm going through. And the notes just turned into like this huge, uh, just, uh swear filled rant about almost everything i was seeing like there there was so much that i didn't like and i think i think what what really bothered me the most and i i touched on this a little bit earlier was the fact that i felt like this wasn't this never felt like coming to america to me hmm. it felt like it felt like another movie that was like i said an amalgamation of things that they expected the coming to america audience to like uh just with the same not even with the same characters with the same 
actors and the names, but not the same characters. Like, like they were t- like Akeem didn't feel like Akeem to me at times. I'm right. like, he's like, why is he doing like a training session in Wakanda? Like, what's going on here? Like, there were so many moments where I just kind of, I just felt like this movie was not something that they put. They 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 didn't attempt to. It's it's hard to do, but you know, to their credit, but they didn't attempt to recreate that magic. It just kind of felt like they were like, okay, we're going to bring everybody in. We're going to, you know, we're going to get the cast, you know, in order. We're going to get these costumes in order. We're going to do those things. But as far as actually making a coming to America movie that will do the original version, some form of justice, because I certainly was not going in expecting to get something on par with the original, but I was at least expecting to be entertained. And when there's so many different things that are, are bothering you or upsetting you or things that you're catching, like even if it's just like the, the farts or uh, whatever it is, when those things are happening and they continue to happen and it takes you out of it, 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 it just it just makes it a really rough experience. And uh, the uh, it, full disclosure, it's I haven't watched it since uh, since whatever day it came out. But I remember uh, I think it was I think it was mid-March. So it's, it's been about a month. Um, I didn't. I didn't really like anything involving the the concept with the kid, the the, the idea of, of bringing the kid over there. Actually, I didn't like the concept, but once he was there is when I actually started to appreciate some of the stuff from the movie. But, but I, I, I didn't like that as a concept. But man, I, I'll, I'll let you guys go a little bit. Uh, it did seem like shoehorning in plot where there wasn't plot. Retconning is a, is a big issue for a lot of... Uh, a lot of us nerdy individuals that love uh, comic books and similar things and changing the history of something just because you want to add a little twist more often than not, you end up actually hurting the original in in your attempt to make something uh, be surprising. You didn't know this happened. I didn't need to know that happened. You should have left it out. Um, What about you, Richard? Did you have some similar misgivings of the film? Well, you know, if you think about the, the first one, it was kind of cheesy mm-hmm. on purpose. There was subtle humor. There was in-your-face humor. There was boobs. There were all the those elements that you got from an 80s movie that made sense in the 80s, right? So, like, that that's, that's what you did with those types of movies. You, you did some toilet humor, you did some subtle humor, you showed some boobs, and you made everybody feel good at the end of the day. I felt like this one, they it's almost like they tried to make it a PG version, in a sense. They tried to make everything simple and plain in, in how they presented stuff. And you're absolutely right with like, oh, by the way, you have a son, which is now the heir to the throne. Like the whole point of the first movie was I'm the king. I can make the rules how I want to. And then this one is I have all daughters. Like why? Like the whole movie would have been like, well, I'm the king. I can make the rules how I want to. My daughter is awesome. The end. You know what I'm saying? So like, let's let's play out the the let's play out the forced push on some of these storylines and package it all together around people together with things that are rehashed from the first one 
and let's take our 50 mil and get out of here. You know, like what I'm saying? So like, but, but the fact of the fact that it, it seemed to me like they were presenting things, which if they would have packed it with more of, it, it, I guess it's Amazon. I don't know what audience they're really looking for here. If it's just, we, we talked about this earlier. Is it just the, your audience that you're looking for is the people that watch the first one and that's it. You could have had a way better audience if you would have just gotten, you know, the R-rated Eddie Murphy, the R-rated Tracy Morgan, and thrown in a whole bunch more of the toilet humor and some more boobs. And then you probably would have had a more entertaining movie. But I don't know what their, I just don't know what their target audience was for this. I, that That's what confuses me is if it was really nostalgia from the 50 people that want to watch what happened in the first one happened 30 years later. And that was it. The end. Well, maybe they feel partially that their core audiences are the people that watched originally. And now they're going to show it to their kids. And it would be embarrassing if it was the R rated version, because there's nothing more uncomfortable being than being in the room with your parents as one of those scenes that you've described comes up on, on screen. But my issues with it are a little more, a little more concerning in sense because I'm always looking at the writing and the most important thing to me in any bit of fiction, and we've talked about this many times, it's all about character development and character growth. But if it doesn't have that, even if it's a comedy, if it doesn't have that, it's it's a failure for me. So in the original film, the Akeem character was naive to the world, but he was intelligent. He understood where he was, what was happening around him, what he wanted, how his actions affected others. He got it. He is clueless in this film. He has no idea what's happening on. How does that Akeem become this Akeem? It doesn't make any sense. And we're not given any sort of history that would have created this individual. I mean, that could have been an interesting aspect to the plot. How do you become your out-of-touch father? All they said, well, he is now, just because. No, that doesn't make any sense, especially since he married this, this woman that he loved and brought her back from America. She would have checked him in an instant. It didn't know. There's no way that this would have occurred. So it, it already starts a little off kilter. So when you combine that with the fact that because he's got this different character, he carries himself differently than the first film. And to his credit, I'm sure that was intended. That was part of the character. You need to walk like you have a stick up your backside now for whatever reason, even though you didn't do that before. You know, in, in the way that, and the way that you interact with people has to be uncomfortable where it wasn't before. There was a, a genuineness and a warmth that the character had that it just kind of lacked in this, in this newer version. And that's where the humor is softened and works. So the, the the things that are sometimes a little harsher, those those punchlines, they get softened by that niceness. And the the comedy where it would be cruder or not as good, again, it's softened and it blends when you have a character that you can care about. And then combine that with the friendship that they are able to show in the original uh, film between uh, Akeem and uh, Semi. Semi didn't get a whole lot of screen time in this film. So it's, it's almost like that friendship just is, is nothing. It meant nothing at all. 
Uh, so they, they take a lot, they take the concept of the original film, they bring back the jokes, they want to touch on all those things, and we're going to talk about the hamburger made out of grass, which was a terrible joke. It was just awful, should have been left on the cutting room floor because it was not funny, uh, or at least worked on, and the delivery made just a little bit different. They kept coming back to the stupid McDonald's jokes. No, we don't need that. If you're going to be in a different spot, you don't need to necessarily touch on every stupid thing that was in the original movie. They come up with some new jokes, but with, without the original, without the original characters, the original development, a lot of these things just fall flat. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. Particularly the part about Akeem, because like I said, I, this this did not feel like Akeem at all. So, the, and that was my my biggest issue with the with the film coming out of it was that this did not feel like coming to America to me. This did not feel like Akeem. This did not feel like like you mentioned Arsenio Hall didn't get a lot of screen time. So yeah, that's that's a, that's a great point. The other thing that just kind of occurred to me, anytime you're going to have a movie um, happen 30 years after the original, you know, the, the cast is going to age. I mean, you got to accept that. Um, and it's kind of Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Apparently he does not age ever. He looked fantastic. And uh, Shari Healy. Oh yeah. She looked great. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but, you have to understand then, okay, they were playing old individuals with makeup <laughs> in the previous film. Didn't need quite so much makeup, I guess, in, in this one. But the the makeup, because their physical appearance has changed, it didn't look good. And and I, I feel like it was maybe, I understand, again, wanting to touch on the original jokes, but I think maybe it was a mistake to focus as much as they did on some of these additional characters. But uh, what about the resolution? So we go through this entire film for him to figure out that he can choose whatever he wants and decides that uh, he's going to stand up for for his daughter and she's going to become she's going to become, you know, whatever. The 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 rising tension felt really forced to me you know this this threat i mean i mean don't get me wrong uh like i said wesley snipes i thought did a great job with his part and and brought a lot of life to the film but it just in in a comedy are you really ever going to feel like there is going to be a genuine threat militarily from something yeah uh no <laughs> no i'm not uh but um, I, I, I'm curious to hear what Richard thinks about that, just because it, like, it, it ultimately we arrived where we should have started. So <laughs> that was the point that he made. So. Right. Exactly. That you 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 missed so many obvious things just to do the obvious thing. You know, it, it it's just a weird kind of combination of of things to present the end result that should have been done from the whole movie. I mean, obviously that doesn't work. That's not how that movie is going to work, but um, you're right. You had like this quote tension. And now if I'm not mistaken, like, didn't they say 10, wasn't it 10 days? Like, weren't they just there for, yeah, they had a short period of time. So in that, in that 10 days, it was like, 
I hate you because I'm supposed to be the person and I don't like dad because he's not going to make me the queen. But then he has the lion test. I'm going to help you with this lion <laughs> test. <laughs> you know? And it's like, I'm I'm new to this place and I have the people that bathe me and I have all these people that are on orders to do these things. But just do the things and not talk to me. Oh, but my my stylist she can freely talk to me and do whatever she wants to and look at the clock. Oh no, I'm in love. You know, it's just <laughs> what they're given okay. like, like three scenes yeah, <laughs> to exactly. fall in love. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's cut off. Let's cut off the ponytail. I love you now. You know, <laughs> yeah. And it seemed kind of, I understand that urge to play on nostalgia. They bringing in the Prince song. Cause yes, at the time that the movie came out, that was huge. Bringing in, uh, in Vogue and salt and pepper. Yes. I get that. All the people they brought in. Yes. That was part of that time. Don't bring them in now. I mean, the, the only thing that could potentially, if you are super lucky, you will get the nostalgia and, and they'll be good enough that nobody will really think about anything about it and it'll be fine. But more often than not, either the, there's no connection for the people that's watching it because they weren't part of that time or they'll be like me. It's like, wow, salt and pepper switched places. I, I seem to remember that the I liked the one and now I kind of like the other better. And what... <laughs> Yeah, it's just kind of, uh, what? No, it, it would be Salt and Pepper would be like, aren't they in the Geico commercial? Isn't that the people? Because like, no one's going to know who they are. But, yeah, like you, you mentioned the audience and you talk about th this 30-year time gap and the idea of it being PG-13 and you want to present it to your kids. Like that stuff's going to fall flat with the with that perceived audience. Like, it, shit, I didn't even care. But so, Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I I felt like they just tried a little too hard. I guess we know what the influence is supposed to be. The people that watched the original film get it. You don't need that. It just you, they needed to cut about half of the references that they did out, and I think it would have flowed a lot better, and it would have given time to develop stuff, which they didn't have any time to do because they were too busy writing flat jokes and trying to hit every single note that the original film had in it. Yeah, I think I think fan service like that needs to be a little bit more subtle. You might want to you want to do that with a little bit more delicate of a hand to where it's kind of like, ah, and and not just getting hit over the head with it constantly. <laughs> right. Like, so, yeah, the 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 fan service stuff, it, it's a tricky thing to do. And it's a, it's one of those things like films are wrought with that kind of thing when when you when you're when you're forcing in these sequels to 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 beloved IPs like people are when you shoehorn that kind of stuff in that fan service stuff, it's almost never subtle. It's almost never done tastefully. It's almost always just like, I'm going to hit you in the head with a baseball bat yeah. with, with every single thing that you liked about, the, about the original. Yeah. I, I much prefer to kind of just go, Oh yeah, that's pretty. Oh, that's pretty nice. Like, you know, Mar Marvel does that a lot yeah. with their stuff. Yeah, like they'll slide in the fan service. They don't, they don't drop kick you with it. Did we really need Oha to sing again? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right so this is this is where i expect uh the the all of our numbers are going to plummet again out of 20 points uh on plot mike what would you give this film 
And don't be afraid to do single digits. We've done single <laughs> oh, digits. no. Oh, I'm not. I, no, at single digit. It, it, it's going to be a single digit. Um, I, I was um, I'm probably sitting at about a five. OK. What about you, Richard? Um, just the plot as a whole was just plain awful. And there's so many other things that I do appreciate in this movie. But when you look at just the simple, here's the presentation of it, we got to go with like a seven. Seven. Now, I know I was awful hard on it a minute ago, and I tend to be very passionate. 16. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but, you know, I always say it's, it's really hard to make a movie. And as much as they messed up, there were some things that they did right. Like I said, I, I thought they were able to give a human side uh, to some of the characters that I didn't expect would have it. And the fact that Leslie Jones was able to do what she could with that character, there had to be something there in the first place. So there were things that they did right. N not a lot of things, but there were things. So I'm, I'm going to give it 11, I think, out of 20. So this is where we get to, to, to rig our numbers. Do either of you nice gentlemen have any bonus points or bonus detractions? <laughs> That you would like to give. It can be negatives. Well, I think if I did my math right, my score is a 61. And uh, if I was really cool and clever, I'd give it eight more points for something. But this film doesn't deserve that. So um, <laughs> I will give bonus points, though. Um, I, I, I will give... I'll give a bonus point for some of the subtle little things. And honestly, watching it, watching the original first and then a couple hours later watching this one, all the subtle little nods that, that, that were in there, not the in your face nods, but the subtle ones. Like I said, like we mentioned before, the Mets jacket, um, when he was doing his job interview, the, the picture in the background behind Colin Jost was the 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 two dudes that he gave the money to yeah you know all, just just those little pieces like those were fun those were cool and the fact that they got the majority of the same cast to come back over 30 years later to do it so i gotta give some bonus points for that so i'll give two bonus points what about you mike i uh, I, I forgot about the the photo i thought that was pretty good too but that's again i like i like that style of fan service. So I, I thought that was pretty good too, but I, I'm not in the business of giving out bonus points on this one. Um, uh, I, I don't have any, uh, uh, any, anything really. I, I'd like to take away a point for having Rick Ross in it. I don't know why that bothered me so much, but I, I remember typing my notes furiously. Why the fuck is Rick Ross? In it? I, I don't know why, but now apparently he was at his house. He, of course yeah, he's going to go. be in it. <laughs> Actually, now, now maybe I should, I shouldn't take away that point. Now that now it makes sense that he's in it, and I can't be mad about it anymore. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll let them keep that point. Well, uh, I usually don't do a lot with bonus points um, um, or anything like that, uh, and I don't think I'm going to change anything this time. I mean, I, I think I covered everything that was really important. There's nothing that uh, that kind of jumped out at me that should should any any get any extra recognition for this i kind of covered everything i had so that brings our final scores our our guest uh of the show uh 
is at a 58, unless you give that extra negative one, which would put you at a 57. Uh, I'll say 58. 58? All right, all right. And then Richard uh, was correct. He would have been at 61. With his bonus points, he is at a 63. So between the two of you gentlemen, uh, this would have been a bad day at school for <laughs> for this particular student. Uh, we've got a, a fail from, from Mike and... From our good friend Richard, we have the uh, fantastic D. Uh, good enough to pass, but not good enough to want to talk about the subject anymore. Now, for me, that puts me at a 74. A 74 is a solid C range. Uh, I still I have Cs that I'll watch again and Cs that I won't. This is a C that I won't watch again just because uh, I got what I needed out of it and got a lot that I didn't want out of it. So <laughs> it is where it is. But uh, we always want to know what uh, all of you think. Uh, don't forget to let us know on social media. Give us a shout out. Was our, was our set of scores just directly on point or was it way off? Uh, was this the masterpiece that you had been waiting for or should it have been set on fire? You know, it can be anything and everything. We love to hear what you have to say. But I want to thank you, Mr. Lacombe, so much for being on with us and talking about a movie that we all had strong feelings about. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. It was a good time. Well, we, we, we love having that different uh, different uh, set of perspective. Anytime we can get somebody else to, to show us maybe something we missed before. And of course, thanks to Richard for being the voice of grumpiness on this particular <laughs> film <laughs> can. that's right but uh and next week we will be coming back with our history of comic book movies we're into 2014 and we will uh regale you with some of the fantastic and less than fantastic offerings that that year had to, to give us until next time <laughs> <laughs>